On this episode, I interviewed Steve Hooper, who is a performance coach at the Gold Coast Titans. The main topic of this podcast was the conditioning program, so designing and periodization of conditioning in a team field sports setting. The main first thing we talked about was the important aspects of a preseason conditioning program, what Steve looks at, what metrics he's looking at, and then we talked about how he monitors those metrics and ways he tries to improve those metrics. We talked about his different conditioning styles of focusing on different energy systems. We talked about how he implemented his test results. We gave He gave some general ideas and general examples of a conditioning session or conditioning drills within a certain energy system, talked about the biggest mistakes in a conditioning program that he often sees, and then he also talked about how he tries to progress it along the season, how his weekly structure set up, as well as how his gym and field will be set up as well and integrate together. So great episode on that, and here it is. Welcome to No Week Links with Patrick Wood. The purpose of this podcast is to help you learn up-to-date evidence-based content and knowledge through life experiences. This podcast is perfect for athletes, strength and conditioning coaches, rehab professionals, or anyone in the sports performance or sports medicine industry. So please have a listen and I hope you enjoy. Welcome to No Week Links. I'm your host, Patrick Wood, and today I have on Steve Hooper, who is a performance coach with the Gold Coast Titans. So thank you very much for taking the time to be on today, Steve. Uh, first, if you just want to give a little brief overview on your background, past positions, current positions, and then even how you got into the industry, that'd be great. All right, mate. Um, thanks very much for inviting me. Uh, uh, I, this is one of the, I haven't done too many of these before, so I'm quite keen. Um, firstly, I'm, I'm a school teacher by trade, so a phys ed teacher, and I did that for about 15 years. Uh, and the whole time I probably sort of wanted to um, move into this field because since I, from when I finished playing footy, um, I was about 30 through through to uh, through to now. I was very keen to get into this field, um, so I did as much uh, much coaching and so forth as I could do to in in the in the school football um, arena, which is quite extensive. So there's a lot of schoolboy football going on, a lot of sort of things you can do in terms of that. Um, I was thinking more of being a coach than a strength conditioning coach, but I finally moved over into into that field uh, uh, when I when I when I finished my career in Ipswich, uh, moved into the strength conditioning side of things. Um, I did six years in the Queensland Cup as a, as a strength conditioning coach. We made one grand final in that time, I think, and a few finals. Uh, and, and I actually um, moved into full-time coaching, which was part-time development, part-time strength conditioning, strength conditioning when I worked at North's, your little club that you work at. Um, uh, and so that was that was a, that enabled a full time role. So I was pretty lucky in terms of that, um, doing concentrating on strength and conditioning in the in the um, in the development field, uh, sort of another string to to the bow rather than just straight old skills developing. Um, and then obviously the the full time stuff with the with the uh, strength. We, we were tied up with Melbourne at the time, so that was a fantastic um, link for me and have access to. Um, Going down and spending time with the with the storm. Um, this is you know going back nearly twenty years. Um, so just when um, when Craig Bellamy had started, so it was a pretty exciting time to be involved with that. Um, uh, from there, I, I, I went full time NRL at Cowboys. Uh, I, I was working. I was doing some stuff with Origin at the time. Um, so through those connections, I ended up going overseas and did two years in France with. Um, 
with Kevy Walters uh, at, at, at Catalans. Um, came back to the Cowboys, did another two years there, then I did four years at the Bronx, three years down at the West Tigers, and I'm in my second year at the Gold Coast. So, uh, and, and along the way, for the last four years, I've been uh, Kangaroo's strength conditioning coach for um, with the Australian team with, with Mel. So that's pretty much it, I think. Yeah, nice. Great journey and ended up on a great place down on the Gold Coast. So um, that's good. Uh, so I guess first off, like I said, uh, we, you know, you have an extensive knowledge in the sides of strength, strength and conditioning or strength power and, and conditioning. But, uh, one side that I think gets overlooked quite a bit is that conditioning side. So I think I thought it would be a good topic to kind of dive into that today. Um, so you mentioned preseason conditioning programs, I guess, do you just want to talk about important aspects of the preseason conditioning program or markers or how you start to plan that out to yourself um, before you got your guys get in here and get into it? Uh, I guess that's um, certainly going back uh, years of how I thought I would do it uh, at the time. I pretty much sort of had to go back to my my playing times um, and and bring forward stuff that 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 coaches had done with with me and I, and I also tried to think um, what was suitable and what actually worked and what I did like and didn't like um, as a as a as a player not as a not sort of looking at it as a as a strength conditioning coach so I've sort of thought uh, as I go through to always try and um, bring that quality out so you had to think about you know. What's going to be relevant? What's relevant for them, and and, and what are they going to actually um, them personally themselves take something out of? So I think that's important that you put that into your program as well. See if you can tie that in some somehow. And the thing that um, always has stood out to me is that um, I don't always do it, but but games are really important. So people are involved in rugby league and rugby union and any other any other soccer, whatever, because they want to play the game, not because they want to train. We, we like training, but, but they like playing. So I think that's a pretty important thing to, to try and tie that in as much as you can. Um, and then try and take as many aspects of the game that you can um, or you, you can um, sort of make specific uh, and then put that into your program as well. Um, I, I think the other thing is... Uh, probably as a starting point is to work out that you've uh, you've got enough volume. So there's enough quantity of what you're actually doing and you have to have a think about um, what that's going, what that is actually going to be. Uh, and you, you can be as um, extensive in your research or whatever you want to do in terms, in terms of enabling that, but that, that's a real starting point uh, where, where you have to, to work on things and you, you need to think of the energy, energy systems that you're looking at and again, how you're going to, and you, you don't have to be a scientist to work that out. You can think about it from your own career, how you're going to uh, address those, uh, training those energy systems. So I suppose, obviously, you, you want to look at your aerobic capacity, which is your, your basic conditioning, anaerobic, which comes down to conditioning for rugby league specifically as well, in your short change of direction, repeat effort, that type of stuff. Um, and then the other side of that is your velocity training. So... Uh, acceleration and momentum, um, how you develop that, what your format's going to be, etc. Uh, and then, and then your game fitness, which is which is sort of different to um, that aerobic capacity endurance type thing. It's a specific um, uh, fitness that you get through 
uh, running and gameplay and coaching and skill acquisition and um, and being able to integrate that during during your week and how that all all sort of looks. Yeah, and I think those are good categories. So that makes sense on in different ways. There, do you do you have certain things, uh, metrics you look at, or ways you monitor how they're performing, or what are you trying to improve upon within each of those? So uh, I guess you know, like, what are you looking at with your capacity? What are you looking at with all those other ones, and and then we can talk more there. So um, again, uh, probably that volume one is the easy one to look at. So it doesn't matter what you're doing. If you if you look at your the actual total volume, the distance that you're going to travel um, per week, um, then per session, then what you're going to do capacity wise within that session. So that's that's probably your, your first starting point, and it's it's easy um, at any level. Uh, no matter what uh, what type of measuring stuff you have, um, be it GPS or just working out on your computer, you, you can you can work that out. Um, and it's also really the starting point, which I, I think I, was, I want to talk about later on. But certainly, that's the starting point that uh, where you start. Although it's a finishing point, so if you want to end up with twenty eight kilometres a week or thirty kilometres a week. Uh, you probably need to start at the back end with that and then work your way forward to the start of your training program um, for the obvious reason that you don't want to be spiking anywhere along the way and you don't want to get to the end and, and sort of think, well, we haven't done enough work. So work that out at the start and then and then work backwards from there to work out where you're coming from sort of thing. Um, uh, the, the, so that, that's, a, that's a measure of volume. Uh, a, measure, a measure of um, uh, depth or, or um, difficulty or intensity, probably those things are your metres per minute um, training gauge, um, which has changed in, in our game in the last couple of years with the, with the rule changes, etc. So that's something that really needs to be taken, uh, looked at carefully. Probably um, the, some of the stuff that's been done in a lot of the work by Gabbett, um, is your, your high speed running, your 5.5 meter per second or 20 kilometer um, uh, running volume. So you need to have a look at that because theory suggests it has an impact on, on injury. So you need to make sure you obviously you're being careful that. The very high speed stuff, so over seven meters per second, that, that's, that sort of speed or around 70 to 75% of your velocity. So anything around there, if you go dipping into huge amounts of that, um, then you then you run the risk of, in, of injury, particularly soft tissue injury, um, and then probably from a again from a from a, a depth point of view that you um, over eighty percent heart rate is probably a pretty good one to have a look at as well. So so that you, at least you know if the players you can you can go to a GPS report and you can say well they're they're doing the volume but it must be it must be fairly fairly antsy sort of volume they're just walking around or getting back into position or whatever if they haven't done that that depth of uh, 80% heart rate um, metres and you, get, you compare that to everybody else. A minute, sorry. Um, then, then then obviously that's that's a, another gauge that you can look and check up on players and make them accountable for things. Yeah, okay. And that's... Sorry. Yeah, okay. And then so with, with that, you obviously will have markers you're looking at to for different characteristics you're looking to improve do you have any what sort of tests do you guys run for those to try and monitor or improve on that or is it is it more of a 
the you're looking at metrics constantly to monitor and then you have your different tests obviously that you're looking at as a another monitoring tool slash sort of performance tool along the way as well yeah so most of those things i just spoke about we, we'd monitor them um daily looking at averages uh, from each session um, and then obviously that's compared to what they sh- ultimately what they should be doing um uh, and and then if we're having a looking at it longitudinally how they are either above their average or below their average and they, they need to do more or we need to be careful with what they're doing in the sessions coming up. So I guess we're at an advantage because we can see what we can see what we put together every session and we pretty much know what sort of uh, metrics are going to be pumped out by the players in those drills. So we can we can move them around a little bit. We can take them out of some drills if that's high, high speed, if it's a even if it's a coaching drill, you can you can move them positionally you can pull them out of it you can get them doing something else just to be careful of um, where they're sitting if they're at risk of soft tissue um, in that particular session um, so and, and the other one that I, I didn't probably mention was um, actually hitting that um, 90 or 95 percent of your max velocity so if you if you if you don't do that then that's a concern for us um, uh, and if you if you do it on numerous occasions, you go over your average. Well, that's obviously a bit of concern as well. So you need to need to be mindful of what they're doing. Don't stop. Don't stop people doing things, but you you can sort of just curb what they actually uh, how much they're potentially going to they're going to gather from a, from a session. Is that that's a, answering that question there? Yeah. So I think that, that that gives a good summary on it. Do you where do you how do you get your guidelines or, or where do you get your general averages? Or is it just over experience, over time, over a collection of data of, you know, our, we don't want to do much more than this high speed meters or we don't want much more than hitting max velocity this many meters or this much time. You know, how, how do you kind of go about building out those of, you know, this is how much we want of each one? That would be like through experience, the, the, the people that work in, in our system. Um, I think I, I spoke to you at the, when we were at that um, QRL thing about the importance of um, physios now in that whole um, process of data collection um, and injury mitigation through being mindful of what your metrics are. Um, so most physios now at, at NRL level, and I'm assuming it's in other sports as well, but certainly in our, in our level, they look very carefully at the, um, um, the return to run uh, metrics, um, so our our high speed meters, and that's and most of them have got we've got averages for that. Again, there's there's generic averages, but it's primarily it's the it's it's how you slide up and down um, from from your own average. So you can you can think of um, somebody's high speed meters, but you you grab somebody else who's a freak, and they're able to cope with that. So it's not that's that's what you thought was once a dangerous percentage. It's not a danger for them. They, they can continually cope with that as and but once they do then you need to make sure that they keep that, that their um their that their chronic load is, is is high enough to maintain that so that, that they don't become they don't drop away too much and then put themselves in injury of a, a chance of getting an injury so i guess that's again it's it's longitudinal looking at things um and and importantly for us it's each individual um, what their actual averages are that's that's probably a better way of answering it than saying, well, if you've done 500 um, high-speed meters, then you're okay. You have to really yeah. look at each individual and what they're capable of doing. 
Yeah, okay. So more of a comparison to themselves if there's a big spike or big change and more progressively on that. Yeah, yeah. So we look so we look at, at the average of what you, what you've done in the session. The session average will generally sit around say say it's um, six thousand or seven thousand meters for the session total. Um, but that'll vary what vary for each player. Um, your middles will end up being probably uh, two thirds of that, and your your outside backs, um, especially especially full backs who are running from side to side in every play, they they tend to be right at the top end. They, they're more than the average. So so that's if you if you just looked at the average, that it, it doesn't mean very much at all. It's, it's more yeah. importantly what those individuals get. Yeah. And I guess another step, do you ever compare or do you guys ever compare to games and trying to match that in any spec and train in, in any aspect in training and spread it out through the week? Or is that, um, so that, that's, that's a good point. So there's some, some rough sort of rough sort of uh, cues that you look at certainly in terms of uh, holistically in a, in the heart of preseason, you, you're looking at, um, with all those metrics, you're looking at about, about three times a game. So, so three times what the game metrics are. Um, game metrics themselves, we want to be addressing them continuously doing, during drills. Uh, so if you're looking at, um, it's around about 90 to 95 uh, metres per minute um, game speed, about, you know, sort of sitting around in there. So we want to make sure that, that we're at least getting that in our specific um, uh, training. So skills, skills, when they're opposed, um, and so you're full on attack. If you know you, this is this is war now. Um, we want to make sure that it's it's around that ninety to a hundred or even more. And if we're rolling through that um, and trying to um, uh, simulate uh, game speed situations where you're grinding, then you need to be higher than that than that uh, those those worst case scenarios. Yeah. Okay. And then, obviously, you, you're so you're comparing, you're collecting all this data. You're comparing towards things throughout a longitudinal aspect as well as the game. Do you have a, a certain test you do pre preseason or throughout the season? As you know, a lot of them will do one point two um, or other certain tests, beep tests, etc. Do you have one that you like to use for any specific reasons? Yeah. So we so we at, at, at our club, and it's pretty standard. We do the one point two. Um, again, it's a it's a good one. I know. Ten years ago, we used to do, we used to do a one point two. We used to do um, it, all at the same time. We do one point two. We do the um, uh, what's his name, the, uh, the French fella. Um, so one of those intermittent, one of those intermittent tests. Oh, yeah. We used to, we used yeah. to do one of those, um, the yo-yo test. Oh, not the yo-yo. It was a thirty fifteen, the thirty fifteen test. Um, we used to we used to do that, um, and we used to do a. Uh, a two-kilometer test as well, um, and then you and then you'd use those different tests to prescribe you. Obviously, of the two-kilometer, you prescribe aerobically um, from the um, anaerobic test. The thirty fifteen, you you you'd prescribe anaerobically. So there's a different prescription that can be gained from all of those different tests, but it's not that different. Like it's uh, it, it, there's a lot of work involved in getting that result. Um, from those tests, and you can probably just as easily do it from the one point two, which is what we do. So we use that 1.2 as our main form of um, formulating um, prescription for um, for our boxes and our other other length shuttles or whatever we, whatever we're actually doing. So in terms of you, know, I think you asked the question, what do you do with it with the test? It's really important for us to to so we can we can separate um, 
about three groups. You can work. You can have four or five groups if you want to, but it's probably it's probably usually they slip into you know your really good ones, the big block of blokes who are about the same, and then the ones who aren't as fast or as fit or whatever. Uh, and if they can work better to their own levels, then we're, ultimately we're going to get more out of them, particularly as, it, as the game, the goal is to try and move them up that that order. Yeah. And that was, that was a question I was going to ask too. <clears throat> With coming, so obviously like doing 1.2, getting general or MAS score for someone um, and, and, and developing groups for players. So obviously it's, it's good. It gives them the target. It gives them the group of people to work with. But how do you go about making those groups? Is I mean, I know it's probably way simpler than it sounds, but a lot of times, you know, you have, you know, some people that are way quicker and some that aren't. So trying to group them as much as you can, um, but also at the same time not trying to have the higher ends of each group miss out, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's that's a that's a great point, and 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 obviously. I mentioned four or five groups, so I've, so I've done it in the past where when you when you split it up, it it appears as though they. You know, there's a, a group that's a lot higher. Um, there's a group that's a lot lower, and then there's sort of big ones in the middle. But you've got some higher, and then some a little bit lower. But they shouldn't be in the middle group. In, in the end, I think I, I certainly I've found over 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 the years that that you, probably three is a number. So you've got the, the lower one, the big middle one, and then some of those ones at the top there. You, you pull that maybe pull them back slightly. But you don't encourage that during the session. So if, if it's a 15, if they've got a 15-second distance to, to make, or well, you encourage them to get there in 14 seconds. So obviously that's they can't go any higher in terms of actual physical groups, but they can get there faster. So if you can build that sort of a, um, that sort of a culture uh, amongst your players, that's probably that's pretty important as well. And if they're encouraging each other to to move up a level again that's that's a culture that you're building and and you can do that that's certainly i've, I've seen that occurring in, in different groups that i work with yeah for sure and then with your with that 1.2 obviously you're getting your you can get your ms score do you use that to get more of the um kind of that anaerobic type scores as well and then calculate anything else for that type of training and if so how do you guys do that we pretty much we pretty much do so we use that for both it's an aerobic school but, but and gen, generally when, when I've worked in uh, where we've had a couple of different tests um, and you, you can um, you can see the difference in the and how you um, alter the guys um, but uh, you can make from the 1.2 you can pretty it's a, pretty much the grouping is is fairly standard um, and the thing that would divide them up then will be um, positional groups. So if you've got, when we're doing that anaerobic type stuff, we very often we'll move into positional groups, and the the actual uh, uh, the times for the for the drills and the, the rest periods for the drills are sort of based a little bit around um, their positions. So um, uh, hookers um, will get very little time. To do things, so it's more like a one-to-one ratio. Uh, middles similar, so a little bit more time because they have to do something, and then there's a little rest, and they do something again. And your outside backs have to do something at a high intensity, and they'll generally get a fairly long uh, break for what for their recovery period. So we try and um, as much as possible make it similar to when we get a block of of um, 
uh, anaerobic tyre conditioning, we try and make it as similar to the actual positions that that, that they'll be. And that works fairly well, I think, as well. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, do, do, you use, do you use, like, scores at all MAS-wise in trying to get their meters per second in any sort of calculations, or is it purely based on uh, more of a work-rest ratio depending on which group, which positional group they're in and, and how they, that try to trans, translates to game? Probably the, the latter for that one. Yep. Um, it's obviously for, for the, um, if, we're, if we're working, say, um, uh, are you breaking everything into MAS, you might be doing 240s or broken bronco um, to, as a, uh, like a aerobic type activity. Well, I guess you're probably, you're probably worried about that in that type, type of situation and you're certainly you're trying to increase their, their actual capacity there, which will help with the metres per minute, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but otherwise, it pretty much sits in, in the, the way I've sort of described. And as I, as we go on, the, the the true test of whether or not we've done done our job is next time we do that 1.2, have they improved in their times there? Are we getting better um, capacity in our work? Are we getting um, more work done, higher higher in our games? Are they higher metres per minute? Is, is all that being successful? And then you, you can give yourself a tick after that. Yeah. Okay. So then that makes sense, especially with the, so for the, for your 1.2 or more, your um, aerobic capacity stuff, that's obviously going to be more similar. It's going to be similar work, work rest, just different, different, different distances based on where they're at. And that's going to be a general buildup of that capacity. Whereas your anaerobic stuff is more based off specifically how they're trying to play. And so you're trying to mimic more work rest on that. Yeah. What's your, what's your. Sometimes be similar if, if it's a, if it's not a positional type activity, um, if we've got just a series of um, anaerobic um, uh, drills specifically, the, the easiest way to do it is just put them into those MAS groups. Um, but but the end goal is to increase that their anaerobic rather than anaerobic capacity. Yeah. Do you have a like effort level or intensity or an RP you're trying to have them work or is it you pretty much want them to work maximally in whatever time frame you give them? Yeah, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's a good point too. So, so at, at times we need to, we need to load up just volume, for example, at the end of a session, if, the, if there's a group of players, generally it'll be guys in the middle that, that won't have, um, because you, you often have a lot of them. Um, so they won't, they won't get their, um, their, their minimum level of training for the session, so that leads to its own little problem. So that so that volume's got to be got to be attained. So that that's an example of we might drop them into um, a generic box, so long side, short side type work, um, and and that'll be that's basically just to do work. It's not huge intensity. It's just enabling that work. That that's probably an example of of something along those lines. Yeah, but then in well, but then in your anaerobic type, I guess, efforts, do you just cue maximal effort during that block? Like you're working this hard maximally and then resting for that much? Yeah, yeah, with the anaerobic stuff, definitely. So um, example being your velocity stuff, is that, that's a, is that a good example of that? So if, you're, if we're looking at, if we're doing our velocity training or speed training or acceleration training, you can't, you can do technique work um, which would be done as, at a slower than um, slower than um, max effort, but when you want to run fast, you need to train fast. 
Um, so that's, you know, if it's not max velocity, then it's certainly heading towards that. You might, might tell them a 9 or a 9.5 effort here. This, that's what we want. So effectively, if, you, if, you, if we tick off over 90% uh, in a week, well, we want to tick off 90% of everybody's max velocity during a week. So they have to be training at least that speed. So that, that's, that's sort of what you're talking about there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think that'll be something cool to dive into as well. So obviously, um, how, how, how often do you guys try and hit that um, 90 95% a week? Is there general numbers that you go by for a week? So we're, we're looking at at least once. So we, so we, we want to make sure we, we get it once with everybody. Um, we, our, our, um, our max bossy day would normally be the Monday, um, if we don't get it, then we let them go during the week so we can we have a look at the GPS and they could get it during skills, etc. Uh, during the week. But if it gets to the end of the week and they haven't got it, then they, they have to do it again. So um, once the warm-up's done then they'll, and they're ready, they'll, they'll, before they start the actual training, they'll, they'll have, a, have a chop at getting their, their 90% again. Um, yep. Some of our OBs, once we've worked out, when we start playing, if they're getting it twice in a week, then we need to make sure that they're getting it, that that actually happens at training or in the games as well. So over that over that seven-day period, we try and ensure that they're getting two, two uh, exposures to it rather than just the one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think we'll dive into, I think it'll be good to talk about how you guys structure a week and, and how you lay all that out in a second. But uh, one more thing to touch up on before that. So you talked about previously, um, we you do the try to hit max speed or 95% roughly once a week. But then you have that kind of anaerobic type work that you guys do, which is your max velocity and change direction as well and at, at a higher rate with your work to rest. Do you, do you, could you get maybe like an example of one or two drills of how you guys might try to incorporate that? Okay. Um, so, so we're not, um, so this is not a, a max velocity drill. So this is just a high intensity. Uh, yeah. More. Yeah. Complex. So we, you might have, um, um, for example, we'll go some shuttles. So on a tight day, so we're looking at a change of direction day, um, and then you're probably looking at some ground, some ground work day as well. So uh, uh, that theory of high intensity, then you need to have so a high intensity activity like a wrestle or a, or a ground work drill, um, and then some running. So you might have two drills. We have one group uh, they'd be doing uh, a Malcolm. Have you, you know what a Malcolm is, wouldn't you? Yep, yep. So, yep. so they'll, they'll take 15 seconds for a Malcolm that involves getting onto the ground, getting off the ground, sprinting 10 metres, getting on the ground, off the ground, change direction. The other group will be over there doing maybe a, um, a so they might have two 20-metre returns. So they'll go out 20, back, out 20, back. Um, they'll do that in about 10 seconds. So the, the, each of those efforts are around... 10 to 12 seconds each. Uh, so they might do two Malcolms, two of those 20 returns, and they change over. So that's the, that, that would be a, that would be, a, so you, yeah, so, you, and then you keep doing that. You might do that for about 10 minutes. So that's, okay. a, that's, a, that's a fairly horrid um, combo <laughs> activity there for the boy. And would you have that work rest or is that continuous? No, uh, they, they, they'd be, so they, so they do a Malcolm. So you, you uh, well you do it in partners. So you've got a partner. So yep. you one is to one. So uh, I'm working. Oh, I've got a partner resting. 
change over and then we have a in between you you would normally have a 45 second something there's, there's another little break as they as they as they move from one drill to the other and then away they go so again same thing partner does the 220 returns other partner rests go from there yeah okay. that's just a million there's millions of little yeah collections you know, of that makes, yeah it's good just put it into context i think that that makes sense with i think another good thing would be to go over how you guys or how you structure in the past how you like to think about it with structuring a week out whether that be preseason week and then you can talk about even uh, in in season week with conditioning of what type of conditioning you're doing max velocity change of direction all of that how do you guys kind of um plan that like which days you do what on each yep uh got a few notes down there i was sort of um uh, so so in that first part of the preseason, so if you look at the, the, so the preseason, you probably you go from before Christmas, then you go from your immediate time coming back into uh, Christmas. So before Christmas is generally either four weeks to, to about six weeks. So you can get two, one definitely one block, but maybe two blocks in there before Christmas. Um, Post Christmas, you'll get probably two blocks in before you start um, trials. So once trials start, usually you can usually that's pretty much the same as game. So that's that'll be that'll be game preparation. Um, you can have it a, a, a bit more work earlier in the week, but pretty much that's game preparation. So uh, we would train four sessions a week, uh, plus maybe an off an off field off feet session uh, for that for those two blocks before Christmas and the two blocks after Christmas. And uh, you're looking in those those four days, you're probably looking at a, uh, a speed day. The first day of the week would be like a speed day into skills, very little con that day. Um, you're looking between four to five and a half Ks. Um, the next day will be a con-orientated day. So you're looking at um, um, either scaffolding the, the con drills in four to 10-minute blocks or having a block at the start and a block at the end for the same sort of length, total length of time. You're looking, um, starting at six, building towards a seven to eight K day. Um, maybe an off-feet day or maybe a day off on the Wednesday. And then you'd repeat that with your uh, your tight day. So agility, um, acceleration type, uh, change direction day on the Thursday. And again, skills and again, looking at a lower lower volume, um, five to six-ish. Uh, and then your last day of the week, biggest day, um, generally one day of the week, uh, coaches will want to put a fair bit of football in there. So that last day of the week, the, 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 your con will be probably uh, more specific and a little bit of change of direction type con. Um, and there's probably a more, more football, more contact on that on that last day as well. And again, that's the day you build up. You're looking towards heading towards your seven, seven to eight k days on that on those last ones. That, is that the sort of is that enough information? Yeah, yeah. No, no. I think that's really good. And and I think um, so. That's obviously how you lay out the week, and that's relatively similar across it all. It's just changing um, principles along that. So, do you have? Um, let's say preseason into season or, or progressions along there, are you focusing more on aerobic capacity versus anaerobic versus speed um, in different you know parts? And how do you kind of progress that? 
so so across that first block you, you you'd you'd stay up um with your aerobic type um training certainly that before christmas so we've we've done a few um three and four minute efforts shuttle efforts but the continuous work this this year which which i haven't done before done a lot of before uh and i've seen I've, I've seen that's been pretty interesting and i reckon quite successful um back when i first started like you you'd start with uh maybe six or seven 1k efforts on your in your first session and that 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 then dropped down to 800 600s 400s and like so it made a lot of it made a lot of sense really but we we've obviously changed how we do things now so that that type of format's been replaced with you with your uh, boxes or grids um, or your straight lines type thing so 15 15 2020s 30 30 even um 10 tens that, that sort of thing so that will those longer stuff um will maintain till christmas and if they if they're seen again post christmas it'll be at a much more intense in a much more intense format um maybe for shorter amounts of time so rather than having them your eight 12 minutes you might have it down to four to six something like that so the the, the length of time and the intensity so rather than being a 100% of your MAS speed you you're building that up as you go to 120% of your, your MAS speed um, the other conditioning drills again um, it's probably still sitting in a similar sort of time format maybe four minutes per drill or five minutes per drill um, but you, you you're looking at rather than a, than a 20 40 60 you're looking at 10 10 20s or um, you're looking at the Malcolms, or you're looking at a, a, sh a shorter change of direction drill, which is just fits more nicely into a more um, relevant type activity for that time of the time of the year when you're when you're progressing into as much footy as you can. Okay, so start off obviously with your aerobic capacity, aerobic power type stuff, and then build into your anaerobic, more game ish type specific. And you can you can still maintain some of that as you in your early part of that uh, that block after Christmas, uh, maybe once per week you've got sort of um, two days where you have have your uh, your big um, aerobic hits or your capacity hits at them. Um, so so you can you can even vary that up a little bit. You can make one sort of have a more of an anaerobic on your tight day and anaerobic sort of emphasis, um, and the other day it can be a bit longer. Um, longer intervals, um, boxes, that sort of thing. So, so you can even, yep. you can still drag that that progression out a little bit before you start tying it up towards the trials. But, Sorry, the the other, the other thing that's, yeah, that, 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 you, that you feed in, um, sort of that so, certainly the back end before Christmas and pretty much as soon as you come back from Christmas, there'll be there'll be some block in there if you're doing your job properly. That there's some block in there of games. So your con games. Uh, which can, which you're looking at um, getting probably a minimum of 100 meters per minute for two or three minute blocks, um, and, and, and as high as 140, 150 meters per minute. So um, that that sort of uh, that sort of um, way of uh, pushing conditioning is is a far more specific and relevant way of doing it, and you you really do need to start feeding that in at some stage pre-Christmas, and obviously lots of it post-Christmas. And is that like footy specific drills that you have GPS data on saying it hits high meters per second? Or yeah. So, so not even, not even necessarily, well, you, you can make them as specific as you want to. And certainly the more involvement the coaches have with that, the more relevant, 
relevant they are. So rather than just offside touch, so the game becomes very relevant to what they're sort of trying to push. Um, but but the other side of it is that you um, to make that a, a, a proper con, uh, con drill, uh, you need to be checking the GPS immediately afterwards. And anybody who's who's down and hasn't got hasn't got their uh, meters per minute at uh, at, the, at least at the average for the group. Um, then they they'll be doing they do extra work at the end of that end of that session. So you get rid of that straight away. Um, yeah, okay. Because it, 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 that's the only drama with that's from my point of view, from a strength listing point of view. That's the only drama with um, con games. Um, you do have people who like to hide. Uh, it's just human nature. So um, so it's pretty easy to see that when you look at it. the GPS does it, it. It pulls up the meters per minute. It's just pull them out straight away and then they did they go into a little con drill and they're all back together again yep and and you mentioned in the beginning as well the importance of, of volume over it so over that season you start off you said pre-christmas um, more of that aerobic type focus and then build more anaerobic is volume staying relatively similar throughout the sessions is that building is that kind of undulating how did how do you guys go about that total volume so that'd be building so that's that's what, that's what I, I think i mentioned at the start you you, you work out at the start um yep. of your program what you want to get to um and then you build towards that so you don't sort of think oh we need to get that so we'll throw that big day in today and you you, you need to have that um, variation during the week so you can't just have everything flat out high or you, there has to be some sort of um linear progression even during the week so from one day to the next, a bit of a day off one day to the next uh, you know and you finish with that, that big day and then the next week we Within that, around about ten percent. So there's a fair bit of um, fair bit of um, literatures that suggests anything more than ten percent, you're really running risk of of getting some injuries. Um, but if you keep it at that ten percent, you, you're pretty much okay. So, so if you think about it, you can gradually build up, even just over four weeks, over a month. If you build up ten percent every every week, you um, to your total volume, and you can work that out as a even if you don't have GPS, you can you can keep pretty close to those targets. Um, that's not a bad way of that's not a bad way of uh, actually getting your, your volume increase in a progressive fashion yep i think one thing that we can talk about too or one a good question would be how do you tie that in with gym like you obviously have your high days your low days you have speed focused days you have aerobic focused days how does that tie in with gym um and you know do you have focuses on gym on those certain days as well to kind of stay with the ebb and flow of high and low and then Tense and not as intense. Classic um, periodization would suggest that they um, so they'll they run in line with each other. Um, so the volume is increasing um, um, with my field program. So it's gradually increasing, but along with that volume increase is also an intensity increase. So my heart rate should be going up. I should be having um, the density of my accelerations and decelerations, which is one of with one of the metrics that you can have a look at, that should be increasing. Um, my meters per minute should be increased. So all that, so all that depth of your program, um, your intensity, that should be increasing as your volume rises. And we know that um, on the other side, when you've got your um, your weights program, your volume starts very high because you're trying to get that. Uh, uh, capacity um, and hypertrophy, etc. At the start of your program, um, the volume should actually decrease, but your intensity intensity still increases down the end here. So, 
I should have my biggest volume in my field stuff at the back end of my four-week block uh, and my lowest volume in the in the strength stuff, but my highest intensity in both. So that's that's pretty much the way uh, traditional um, periodization works when you've got a, a two a two pronged attack. So you know we're we're sort of uh, it's that's one of the hard things that we have to to uh, manoeuvre as a strength conditioning coach that we've got a strength a strength of, uh, track and we also have that conditioning track and um, max velocity track that we we have to sort of keep in line there. Yeah. So how do you pair in like especially with your intense lift days or whatever you want to call them with your max velocity and your conditioning. Do you try and alter those where, you know, you have strength and velocity on the same day and conditioning on the other or, or how yeah, is, that, is there a certain good. way you do that? Yeah. I said before, I should have, I should have answered it. Um, it, it, it. It's not necessarily the best way of doing it. Or you can think of other ways of doing it, but probably uh, running an upper body, lower body day, um, enables you to um to track in line with the uh, with with what you're doing on the field um now i ha- have done there used to be there used to be a theory that you that you um and certainly the fifa actually brought out um a program of um looking after uh, uh soft tissue in particular acls etc and they had a lot of hamstring work so that they actually had a hop hold that they started all that hop hold stuff um there's this fifa fifa program which is about 20 years old now um and and part of their warm-up had all that stuff in it and you had nordics so you had nordics in your in your warm-up pre actually going on the field for a skill session so that was that was how that done somewhere along the way we've um we don't do that with our lower body stuff anymore so so the idea is to have lower body weights wherever possible post field um and on um before a, a, a rest day uh so if you if you're looking at your um at your your week uh you'd have field in the morning upper body in the afternoon like you can muck that one around that doesn't make too much difference big big day big con day lower body in the afternoon day off or or day off legs swimming boxing whatever um next day upper body uh, field first, upper body after, field big con day, um, and then lower body after that, and the weekend off. So, so that's that's the that's the general um, look after your lower body, soft tissue, um, groin, um, hamstring components. That's that's considered to be a, a pretty decent way of doing that. You can yeah. do it the other do it other ways, and you can do other stuff, and and you don't get injuries, but but if but that's sort of agreed that that's that's not a bad way of doing it now if you are going to do that do it another way which which you may have to do during the season because just by semantics you have to have different training schedules in different places you need to make sure that sometime um in your pre-season you've exposed exposed the guys to um doing nordics and rdls or whatever before you train you, you just need to make sure that you, you you've had that sort of exposure they've, they've done they've, they've seen it they've done it they got through it so away they go they've, they've improved they're, they're they're able to training fit yeah yeah I think those are all really really great points and um i think is that, is that your is that your is that your experience of um from 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 your what you do you would you have a similar sort of um 
uh, protocols on, on, on following for your lower body type, uh, soft tissue um, mitigation, that sort of thing. As in don't do them before training, you're saying? Yeah, like I said, I mean, we had, we kind of had that chat at QRL um, meeting about this. Of, And, yeah, I guess we've it's kind of just more of the norm now, but it doesn't mean it can't be challenged, as you were saying. So, um, you know, whether whether it's um, – yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't seen papers on doing stuff before and seeing injuries with if you did stuff. Yeah, so that might be, you know, a really good topic to see if you were to do stuff beforehand. Would that hinder performance? Would it – decrease injury risk increasing injury risk or how would it affect training and and if you'd like more more of a i think you're saying it's more of like a you know if you need to do it not like you'd want to do it beforehand but if it's a necessary thing is it really that bad to do if you've built up for that but depending on changing schedules certainly if you had an exposure to it like you've done it before you got through yeah 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 no i think that's yeah that'd be a good topic to to dive into or see if someone wanted to do a project on so um I think another thing here with preseason or, or conditioning plans, what are common or things that you've seen that haven't worked or mistakes people make and things you try to avoid in, in these programs? I did a, a, a few notes on that. I had, I had to think about that because you, you asked me that question. I, I, I probably thought um, uh, doing too much too early. So, so if you don't, one of the best, and what wasn't wasn't my idea, but sort of that idea of thinking about what your end is going to be, um, and and then work backwards from there. Um, that was presented to me by a pretty pretty smart guy. Um, I think if you you know if you if you if you do too much too early, you run the risk of obviously um, creating a situation where the body's just not ready for it, and that's when potentially you, you can have have injuries. Um, so, and also, if you, you you can progress, you can you can be moving quite nicely, and you think, ah, oh, I really I want to hit them with this this great drill, and so you throw that in, and it's a great big chunk of things, and it just throws everybody out of whack, and they you know again run start suddenly they've they've um, skyrocketed with their um their seventy five percent running and their and their high speed running, and so again potentially you you um you're looking at that sort of a risk, and the other one is getting to the end of your block and you think, I don't think I've done enough. So not exposing them to, if you let that, if you let that, um, that 90% um, speed situation go on, I'm, I'm not sure how, I'm not sure how you do that in, um, in your um, uh, second sort of stuff. I'm not sure how second tier uh, training can, can, can actually um, beyond any question of a doubt, say you're not running at 90%. But yeah, I guess you've got to do a, 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 a look and trust your own judgment on that one. Yeah, the timing can, can possibly do it as well. But if you if you don't if you haven't exposed them to it, it's it's you know that, that's just as bad as as as, as um, doing too much. You know, if, if you haven't actually done it. So I think that's I think probably those two things are the two big things that you can really really stuff up. Uh, and related to them probably is don't do something new. So um, if you've been rolling through your program and you think, oh, I'd really, I'd really like to try that, I think that'd be, that'd be great. Do it, do it before you've actually, before your season started or, you know, get everything done in your preseason. That's your chance to trial stuff so that then during the season when you, I think band squats will be good this week, um, 
or make sure you've done band squats before before you before you do it before a game. So that's uh, that's that's a pretty good tip that I think that you can remember as well. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think coming down to making sure that plan that you mentioned and, and going backwards would be a good way to kind of um, maneuver of not hitting either of those mistakes. So um, one last question here is so. As we talked about, and as you mentioned there, sub-elite level or levels that don't have the GPS data with a lot of the information you talked about, especially in the beginning, is there certain ways that you like to get around that or certain, you know, whether we're tracking meters per second, whether we're trying to determine volume of total sessions, whether we're trying to hit max speed, you know, are there ways or ideas you have of trying to get around that for coaches that don't have access to GPS? Well, I think the volume one, the volume one is a pretty... Um that's a pretty easy one to, to cover. So you can you can pretty much work out your volume, what's going to happen there. Um, and then you create some discipline in your training and make sure that you and the coach are, are rolling along, um, they're not doing other stuff, that you're just following that that program that you've both agreed to. Um, and that and that and that'll you'd be surprised how how you can plan that and that'll pretty much work towards things. Um, you can do you can research on on different uh, different skills uh, and skill games. So if you most games run at about 100 meters a minute, uh, particularly if you keep them down to that two under three minutes. That you know, so that, so you can sort of have a pretty good idea of what you how far you've done, you've gone during those times. Uh, if you've had if you're a, a club like you're involved with, if you're involved with a with a with a, a professional organisation. Um, you probably have access to some of the stuff that they use. So drills, warm-ups, they can be quite generic, um, and you can you can you can pretty much um, cut and paste that and put that into your program. So you can have majority of your program, um, particularly particularly if you're in a rugby league club that um, that's uh, tied up with um, with a NRL club, um, uh, that they're usually more than happy to provide you with that. Part of their banks of their, their GPS stuff, even if you know if it's all cut and paste stuff. Um, if it's the same drill, it'll generally come out the same or pretty close to it. And you can you can probably do up a, a pretty good session that's that's been covered through where you've got things from elsewhere. Um, in terms of the uh, in terms of the, uh, the, the the high speed running and getting max velocity, I think the only thing that you can do is time things, um, just handheld timing um you, obviously you don't need gps to time stuff you can do things with uh, starting gates and if you've got access again through through your um uh, association with a, an NRL club if, if you're lucky to have that um then you can get a really good idea of what guys uh their max velocity is um and if you've got a good culture that you that that you know tuesday's your your max velocity night. If you're running there and they have a, a decent go, you can time them over 40 meters, and you probably have a pretty, you get pretty close to those, the times that you've already got for them. Uh, and then going forward, you can retest uh, and just to check that that everything's along, that's smooth, moving along smoothly. Apart from that, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, yeah, no, those are those are good 
Yeah, good points. And just trying to be as realistic as possible and maybe just more of the general progressions as you talked about and communication with the coach is probably going to be the best way for it. So, um, yeah, I think that was that was good. And um, if you just want to maybe end with, you know, one or two takeaway points that you thought are the most important and then, um, yeah, we can wrap it up. Um, again, like I think when, when you're planning uh, any of your, your programs, I, I think the best thing that I could really tell you is that start at the end and work your way back um, and do that with both your weights with your weights and your uh, and your your, your field training um, uh, start have a look at where you want to what to get to and um, and then work your way back from from there um, and then just try and make sure that as you as you move forward uh, you're progressively going through your, your program you're not changing things you're not having huge spikes you just banging away so that you get to the end and you know you've done everything perfect all right well if you have um anywhere where you if you share content or if people want to connect with you that you are willing to share um you can either share that now or i can put it in the show notes for you uh i don't think i do mate (laughs) that's all good all right well thank thank you very much for taking the time to be on i really appreciate it pleasure mate pleasure thanks thanks very much for uh, giving me the opportunity I, i really enjoyed it Thank you for listening to No Week Links. If you'd enjoy the show and would be able to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, that would be much appreciated as it would help the show reach more people. I also provide free strength and conditioning content and injury rehabilitation content on Instagram at Coach Patrick Wood, on my website, www.patrick-wood.com. All this information can be found in the show notes. Thanks for listening.